Take it, Tony. Take it, Tony. Thank you, TJ. This is Band on the Run 50th, side one. And because it's the holidays, TJ, <laughs> Mr. Jingle's with us. <laughs> For three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. My dad said to stay away from Mr. Jingle. <laughs> My dad said he was in prison for diddling. Oh, it's the holiday season, uh, so whoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock, and don't forget to choke on it. You know, Tony, hi, hi, how you been, buddy? <laughs> Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony. Hey, and I'm TJ, and we're about a week after Hanukkah. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I can't sing a Christmas song without following it up with Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you, by the way, Thank you very much. (laughs) How come they got to get political? It's Hanukkah, buddy. (laughs) Political, yeah. (laughs) They got an agenda. What's next, Kwan's Kippur? Yes, Kwan's Kippur. Tony, it's the holiday season, so whoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock, and it's good to see you. Good to see we you. met for a drink just a couple days ago. Yeah, man. For the first time I'd seen you since Beetlefest? Uh, no, since Ringo. Yeah, right. Ringo in October. Right. Yeah. 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 So it'd been a couple months, man. Been yeah. a couple months. A minute. It was good to see you, man. We had we had some drinks. Uh in fact, I'm having a drink right now. I'm gonna open it up. From Illuminated Brew Works in Chicago. This beer, it's a Peanut brittle stout, and as you can see, TJ, it's called War on Christmas If You Want It. That's great in the Lennon type font, or close to it, Mr. Font Corner. Thank you. (laughs) That he put in the newspapers around the world. That's right. Yeah, so it's a tribute to that. Uh, Brian at IBW made this and has not gotten a cease and desist from Yoko, so... He was actually hoping for one, but so here's to you. We're on Christmas, sir. Great timing. And if you're going to release a beer where you're aping from the the Lennon Mm. estate, do it when Yoko's really ill. So nice (laughs) going. I think he did it last year, but anyway. <laughs> God forbid, Yoko, please don't go. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm drinking another Chicago beer that I bought at Trader Joe's, and I've eight percent regret it. But it's called it's Pipeworks <laughs> Brewing Company, and it's Manny's Deli Edition Pastrami on Rye beer. Oh, I've had that. It's all right, but more than two of them, and you kind of need like a half a bottle of Tums. Maybe that's just me. Rye ale with smoked malt. Excuse me, brown sugar. How come you taste so good? Black pepper, coriander seed, red pepper, and mustard seed. And it's kind of yummy. I would love to be eating a pastrami sandwich with it. I've yet to do that. But yeah, so I'm drinking a Manny's Deli beer. Two Chicago beers. I love it. We didn't show up. No spotted cow on this b- <laughs> Can we bleep that word? If we do it, thank you. Sure. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the band on the run. Side one, 50th anniversary came out about 50 years ago this month. But uh, I did want to mention when we met TJ, you had just gotten back from Stockholm, Sweden. Yes. United States, I think, is number one for our listenership. And Sweden is number two. Well, it's because I left a couple coasters at the Nostalgia Plast record store. By the way, one of the best record stores in the world that I've been to. Oh, yeah? Their, their Beatles stuff, not just was their collection massive and global, but really fairly priced. Nice. The stuff I got you yeah. would have been about double if you bought it as an import at any of our favorite stores 
but because they're Swedish and European pressings, it's so great to get to buy reasonably priced beetle imports where they're not imports. It was so much fun. We visited Stockholm for a couple of nights. I wasn't supposed to do any great digging there, but I'm so damn weak that uh, one night I decided that uh, I will uh, visit one record store, Nostalgie Palatsen. That was like a heaven or like a hell for me. So I'll share what you got me. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. So you got me Beatles Greatest. Yeah. Which this, I think it's a Dutch compilation. Initially, yes. And I got that for you. I know you don't love, love Greatest Hits albums, but after our talk on 62 to 66 and the expanded edition, one of the great omissions, one of your favorite covers is the reason I got you that one. Look at that. It looks like it's like song number five, Long Tall Sally. making an appearance on Beatles Greatest, as it should have on the Red Album Deluxe 2023. <laughs> uh, so the Dutch got it right. It's in stereo. Uk mano where te geven. And as you know, TJ, ze kunnen geen word zeggen af het staat en alle kranten. Yes. Oh, yes, he leaved it. And then you got me this rarity, man. It's a seven inch. Yeah. It's, uh, this is the Apple four song EP sampler. It starts Mary Hopkin. Those were the days we got Billy Preston. That's the way God planned it. Jackie Lomax, Sour Milk Sea and Badfinger come and get it. It's a great little seven inch. I listened to it this morning. I loved it, man. It was great. Isn't it fun, Tony? This was pressed because in Europe, when the Apple solo CDs were re-released again, in 91 and 92 and they were released in the states on cassette like you can get like uh the the mary hopkin cassette was pressed and sold at tower records in the states in the early 90s (laughs) which is oh yeah because they reissued all, all the apple stuff as part of the lawsuit with apple computers as far as i understand this Apple had to prove that they were still a real record company. So instead of just Crazy. slapping the Apple logo on the Beatles CDs years after they'd been released, they then reissued the solo Apple content. So the James Taylor album that had been out of print since the mid-70s, that first one was all of a sudden on cassette and CD in 91, 92. But that 45, that EP you have, was released only in Europe as a sampler to commemorate those reissues, which in the UK, Tony, were also on vinyl. One of my white whales, excuse me, one of my <laughs> one of my white whales, cancel them twice, <laughs> is um, the 2LP Badfinger Greatest Hits from 1992 on vinyl that was only released in the UK. So you're looking for that one still, so. Yeah, it's right. on Discogs, but not for what I should reasonably spend given my (laughs) career (laughs) well there you go so if you've got that it's somewhere lurking in some shrink wrap in a basement and you never listen to it feel free to send it to untitled beatles podcast uh in care of migs field chicago illinois six zero one zero one zero one also tj you got me a 12 inch i did of now and then i only have this on seven inch and 10 inch 
<laughs> but you got me the 12 inch because bigger is better. Uh, this is red vinyl. Is this Target only? Is that what the deal is? Around the globe, around the corner. Take it, Tony. Around the country. <laughs> at work or play or on your way to the convenience stores of Speedway. There you go. See, that's, we just musically improvised an existing commercial from the early 2000s. <laughs> improvised that memory. <laughs> right. Um, improvised memories. So, yeah, Tony, that is only available globally at select retailers. I think HMV in the UK, Target here in the States. Um, and yeah, they sold out really quickly. I ordered two of them. One, because you got to support Target, man. With Amazon taking over, keep Target open. <laughs> I've thrown all my weight behind Target and Wendy's. That mom and pop shop, Target. Right? Started by Louise Target. <laughs> it's Louise Target at you. Miss Target. All right. Come on. She's French. Target. Target is a fun place to shop. Well, thanks so much, man. That meant, that means yeah, a lot. Happy holidays, buddy. Merry me. Christmas. And I'm, I'm grateful for all you do for the show. I got a gift for Casey as well. No spoilers. It is not a Swedish pressing. It's a UK pressing from Casey's birth year. Oh, well, there you go. Producer Casey, you've got something coming to you all the way from Sweden. Thank you so much. Hey, man, I also want to shout out to my buddy, Fred. I work with Fred on commercial sets, and he gifted me another Beatles find. This is a 12-inch record by the average disco band. Music of the Beatles goes disco. It's got the hole punch in it. There's a secondhand tune sticker on it for $8.99. <laughs> Fred insisted that he did not pay that much. Uh, which is smart. Thank you, Fred. Uh, so let's take a listen to some standouts from the average disco band. Let's start with Help. Help me. You know who that is? That is a very young baby Jessica. Yes, with Gary well. Puckett standing in the room. <laughs> yeah. Help me. Get me away from this guy. Oops. I don't know if you knew this, TJ, but in the 70s, Eleanor Rigby became a detective, and she actually had a... <laughs> primetime show on uh, ABC. So thank you, Fred. Uh, I really appreciated that. I, I had a, a nice disco uh, morning this morning. It is it is insane that Donna Pescow didn't get an Emmy for her work in Eleanor Rigby on ABC. <laughs> Donna Pescow. Here we go. That was an early crush. Thank you, Angie. Oh. Get ready to match the stars from Lou Grant, Daryl Anderson. From Angie, Donna Pescow. Uh, all right, we'll get into it, but I just want to remind you all to like and subscribe if you can. Please write a nice little holiday review. It always helps, you know, if you've got the spirit, 
<laughs> it always feels like you're about to launch into a Beatles Christmas rant. Jingle bells. In the meantime, Gary Crimble to you, Gary Mimble to you, Getty Babel, dear Christmas, happy birthday, me too. And yeah, last minute stocking stuffer. It's not too late. You can order, uh, we've got merch on Public. so type in Untitled Beatles Podcast. All this stuff can be found on untitledbeatlespodcast.com. I want to shout out Doug, Nowhere Doug, who's a member of our Patreon community. Uh, he let us know about an upcoming Band on the Run 50th anniversary 2LP package. <laughs> <laughs> Half speed mastered. Half speed mastered with underdubbed mix. Ah, that's the new trend. Everything's <laughs> the ex- double fantasy stripped turned out to be so stripped. So, yeah. Let it be naked. Right. Oh, that was the first one. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Why isn't this band on the run nude <laughs> or band on the run after hours? Skinamax presents <laughs> band on the run. Watching jiggle and jaggle. My name is Sybil Danning, and you've been sentenced to a hard time here on Cinemax. But yeah, so that's coming out February 2nd of 2024. So perfect, Tony. It's Groundhog Day, and for Ben on the Run to come out again, because there's a 25th anniversary deluxe edition. Right. Uh, which I have, and what my favorite thing about it is, for all you fans of the original band on the run, you'll love the the barn rehearsal of Let Me Roll It for the New World Tour in 1993. It's so nuts. Yeah, Let Me Roll It is based around the riff, really, the guitar riff. There's some interviews. It's weird if you like the nicely toasted mix of Band on the Run. But then the 2010 uh, Deluxe Archive Edition kicked off Paul's Archive Edition campaign. And what's interesting is since it's the first of the Archive Collection box sets, Tony, it's way slimmer and way smaller than what would follow. Like Flowers in the Dirt is 50 times the physical size of the Band on the Run box set (laughs) because they were just starting it out and realized they could make them uh, much bigger. So, yes, we have another... Another anniversary of Band on the Run coming out on Groundhog Day, the third major anniversary or deluxe issue of this title. <laughs> so we'll do, so yeah, we will do a special <laughs> episode on all those different damn versions, yes. including the new underdubbed nude mixes uh, <laughs> of uh, Band on the Run. Band on the Run, file under. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's do our deep dish on Band on the Run, side one. This was released December 5th, 1973. It reached number one, TJ, three times. Isn't that wild? So it was number one three times. April 13th of 74, June 8th, and then July 6th of that year. What helped that they kept releasing singles from the album and all the singles did really well. And in fact, as we'll get into, Helen Wheels, which was the first single, was added to the American album of this. So the one we're going to be talking about when we get to side two is the version that has Helen Wheels, which, by the way, Tony, I went back and checked the 25th anniversary and the 50th anniversary coming up next February will both have Helen Wheels in the main body of the album, not a bonus track like the 2010 Archive Edition. So both anniversary editions, America, fuck yeah. USA! USA! Yeah, 
yeah, man, it's finally happened. Like Paul McCartney finally gets his day in the sun with, with a full album, you know? Even John liked this album, comparing Wings to the Plastic Ono Band. The quote is, it doesn't matter who's playing, you can call them Wings, but it's Paul McCartney music, and it's good stuff. So I think a lot of the, the yuckiness of the, you know, the first couple of years after the Beatles breakup and why, why did you break up and everyone's mad at Paul for, you know, putting out that press release. I think a lot of people blamed Paul. Yes. For the breakup of the Beatles at first. It was Paul and then Yoko for 38 years. Right. Right. And now it's Alan Klein. Now it's Klein. Right? <laughs> Rightfully. <laughs> Oh, who's gonna? There's a game like 25 years from now. Who broke up the Beatles? Uh, I think it'd be based on what we saw in Get Back. Peter Sellers. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't. Yes, ending. <laughs> no, he was not. He was in a grumpy mood, negating. Sorry, you didn't get Torco Sellers. You still got to do your job on a ship. You know, it's up to you. Is it? I think it's only fair. True. Pride can hurt you too. Apologize to her. I will not. So, all right, let's do the background of this, right? In May and July of 73, Paul and Linda start writing songs, new songs. And Paul wanted to go somewhere different. The Beatles had recorded in Paris. George went down to Bombay to do some stuff. Paul had been to New York. I think some of Ram was done in New York. Yes. They had talked about stacks for Revolver. So Paul was getting that kind of... Wanderlust, which 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 he would then one of his most beautiful ballads from the eighties on Tug of War. But yes, Tony and Paul got a whole list of places EMI had studios as part of this Wanderlust, which is an interesting thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, he, he was looking at Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, Peking, China, and then Lagos, where he eventually settled. Welcome to Nigeria. So Paul had been to East Africa and he kind of had envisioned like a West Coast version filled with like beach days and then recording at night. Well, East Coast Africans (laughs) are really. (laughs) I think that pretty sure every like every Beach Boy song, there's sleigh bells on it. Get rid of the sleigh bells. (laughs) Every every song on Beach Boy's party has sleigh bells. (laughs) So yeah, man, so they booked some time in mid-August, 73, to record these new songs. And they'd had demoed them. They went up to the farm, Paul's farm. They started demoing. Uh, Denny Sywell is on drums. Henry McCullough on guitar. Now, from what I've read, man, there was tensions between Paul and Henry during the UK tours. Yes. Right? I'd read that Paul wanted Henry to play the solos as on the record, and Henry wanted to improvise. And Henry also did, he used to have like a blues tune that he was playing for a it while. It was called too. Henry's Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just one four five for twelve minutes, slow, slow one four five. Paul's 
Rob's done that a few times. He gave uh, Robbie McIntosh on Trip in the Life Fanta- on, on excuse me on the New World Tour. Um, Paul is live. A bit called Robbie's bit. That's a Chet uh, Chet Atkins kind of tribute. Oh, yeah. So he's good with giving his guitar players moments. But yeah, you know, I think Paul wanted things. The the showman in Paul, the theatrical side of Paul. This band was not going to be what Bob Dylan became. This band was going to play the same thing every night, and Henry McCullough wanted something a little. He couldn't stretch out in wings. Yeah, man, and also he had some criticisms about Linda's abilities as a keyboard player in the band. He wanted to have like someone more like probably Billy Preston or whatever, as opposed to a beginner like Linda. So that was also an issue. I'm glad that Paul stuck with Linda, though. Like, yes. I. I like that beginner aspect. Honestly, that's like punk rock. It's uh, it's kind of what Calvin Johnson was doing on that that whole uh, kindercore scene up there in Olympia, Washington. Later on, I see you hanging that crowd, staring me down like that ice cream cone. Still, I'm all alone. You've got me caught. Let go, my heart. Oh, give me a sign. You know, yeah, there's something there's something great about that. And I feel like there's there's humor in her playing, too, which you don't get from like serious studio guys. Do you think a serious studio guy would have gone like, no, of course not. And that's the great thing about having Linda, some of her other organ parts on the the uh, which were overdubs, but some of the organ parts on the record, which are very simple. Linda's harmonies as well. You can't make any other bands sound like wings. The weird blend between Paul, Linda and Denny. Linda's a third of that. A lot of the backup harmonies, it's just Linda and Denny. And I think Linda gets a bad reputation because some of the tape that like Howard Stern and some people Mm -hmm. were playing Linda live was probably not as disciplined or rehearsed as she was in the studio. Or she had lousy monitors. Maybe she couldn't hear herself. I don't know. You know, you and I have agreed on this forever. Blame the sound guys. (laughs) I'm tired of fucking audio one. I'm tired of you audio two. (laughs) I'm just talking to my monitor guy. Can you get the balance right between the piano and everything else? For fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking idiot. Well, so during rehearsals at the farm, Henry and Paul seemed to get into an argument about a guitar part, and Henry thought Paul's idea was impossible, and Paul thought it was not impossible. Okay, well, I don't mind. I'll, I'll play, you know, whatever you want me to play. Well, I won't play at all if you don't want me to play. No, whatever it is that will please you, I'll do it. So TJ, Henry chooses not to please Paul <laughs> and uh, quit the group. <laughs> if it pleases you, I'll quit the group. Well, and then Henry's blues became Blues Clues. <laughs> Come on in. What did you say? A clue, a clue. You see a clue? I see a clue. Another Blues Clues day. Hooray. Yeah, and he's doing well. He's doing quite well with that Blues Clues <laughs> I, uh, crap. On the contrary, I think he gone. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I was really drunk at the time. He just told me it was So Henry's out, and then Denny Sywell, the drummer, gets to thinking as well. And he wanted the the recording process to be more like a live band. Whereas I think Paul wanted to go more modular and record kind of like Sgt. Pepper style. The one where Ringo learned how to play chess. <laughs> right, right. And where Ringo learned how to play chess, which was the movie Caveman. And, and then he had chest fever. We've done this bit, I think, and I don't care. 
Yeah. So Denny also decides to quit too because he's like, you know what? I can probably make more bread as a, a freelance studio. It's a session cat. guy, yeah. Yeah, as a session guy. So night before, he splits, he quits, man. This the is night like before, the night before. Were you uh-huh. telling lies? <laughs> yeah. And then Paul had to find another girl. And to do that, he got a ticket to ride because he just seen a face and got dizzy, Miss Lizzie. Help songs. <laughs> Hashtag help songs. Hashtag out of order. You're out of order. Yeah, you're out of order. Why don't you wait? Asterisk. You love help. Why don't you put that song on help when the deluxe issue comes out? Because you want to so bad. Should have been on the red album. All right, then. How come you know my name isn't on any record? (laughs) Past masters. Right. right. You know what I mean. The deluxe ones. It should have been on on Pepper. It wasn't. Then put it on Let It Be. It's a B-side. It wasn't. Yeah. Where does it live? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Maybe Magical Mystery Tour. Maybe they'll maybe they'll finally put it on a Magical Mystery Tour one because it's kind of after Pepper. I hope so. I hope there's a different I Am the Walrus on the Magical Mystery Tour box set so no one knows what's happening anymore. <laughs> it's just the radio. Right? It's the radio really loud. <laughs> Interesting mix, Giles. <laughs> Giles on the toilet. <laughs> well, all right, man. So... Uh, yeah, August 9th, they head out. Uh, by the way, let the record show, Denny Sywell did not give two weeks notice before leaving Wings Industries, LLC. Uh, so that leaves Paul, Linda, and Denny Lane on their own. They decide to just keep going. They press on. They're a three-piece. They can do it. Jeff Emmerich joins the group. Yes. And there they are. They're in Lagos, man. And yeah, man, it is not the paradise that perhaps Paul had in mind. Well, there was even an issue when they got there with uh, Ginger Baker and Ginger Baker wanting to let them use his studio. Yeah. I was thinking it's Arc Studios, I think is what it was called. But yeah, yeah. He was like he wanted them to record the whole album there. This is a completely unrehearsed jam session with some very good friends of mine in Lagos, Nigeria. And, you know, Ginger Baker's a wild cat. You know, I don't know if you ever saw that doc of him like driving across. I think it's him driving across Africa and he's like running out of gas in the middle of the desert and shit. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, man, he's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Here we change a tire that went last night. This tire won't go any further. We sawed it off. It was welded to the wheel. And, uh, you know, he sure made money off those cream reunions in the early 2000s that everybody gave a good review to and nobody liked. (laughs) (laughs) Cream back together again for the first time, 46 minutes of White Room. All right. Yeah, yeah, so they get there, but also there's like, you know, the government's in a kind of a military state. There's soldiers with guns and stuff on the streets. There's a lot of poverty. Yeah. It's rainy season, so there go your beach days. Yeah. So EMI there in Lagos, they had an eight-track machine, but when they arrived, the personnel were building the sound separation booths, and I guess some engineers, according to the Spicer book, were searching for microphones just to find microphones to record with at the studio 
it's insane. It was less than ideal. It was almost as if Magic Alex had been there on vacation <laughs> sometime before that. But also, according to the Spicer book, one of my favorite Spicer facts here. Thank you, Bruce, by the great Bruce Spicer. In Lagos, the studio manager was named Monday and the tape operator was named Innocence. Oh, yeah. No, I saw Monday and Innocence. I saw them on the Donnie Marie show once. They were great. <laughs> I, they did tie a little yellow ribbon around my little tree. Well, that studio was in operation, EMI Lagos, until 1981. Other bands that recorded there include the Exciting Talkatives. The Abaraka Guitar Band. And Sonny Aid and his Green Spot Band. Uh, we got to mention this, man. Yeah. Okay, so one night, Paul and Linda are mugged at knife point by five men with a knife held up to Paul's throat. And Linda shouting, we're musicians. He's Beatle Paul. Or words to that effect. And then a young white Italian guy ran in and goes, I got all your albums. I got your blue album. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get the Beatles back together? <laughs> that guy saved Paul's life. That you guy. That, Paul. The Nigerians were like, guy. God, this guy. <laughs> they walked away. But what are you getting back together? I love your albums. I like your blue album. Tony, I don't know if you know this, but in addition to Paul actually having his life threatened right there, they stole their belongings, and among those belongings were demos they had that yeah. they'd been working on in Lagos thus far. Um, and while I'm not on the side of these Nigerian bandits, great handmade films <laughs> production, by the way. Niger- <laughs> great. It was a good um, short. Yeah, it was a con. One right? <laughs> you, with James Con, you can catch the theme on Gun Trapo. Um, yeah, no, Tony, uh, I, I'll dance around and do the joke again uh, because I will absolutely say that these guys did get away with something. Gentlemen. I'm sure you'd like to be the first to know. We got the tapes. Well, yeah, they stole the tapes. <laughs> I had to walk five blocks to even get it wrong. <laughs> set up. But yeah, gentlemen, they got the tapes, Tony. Think how, I mean, not since Steely Dan's Katie Lie demos were put through a weird noise filtering when it was being mastered and the tapes were never the same. Hmm. Has there been a moment in rock, there may have been, I just don't know of, where, like, this is Paul McCartney's initial demos. I want to know, have these demos ever surfaced anywhere? Have these been bootlegged? Do these ever turn up? I can't find anything that says they have or haven't. No, I hear that they were never recovered, possibly taped over, probably with an episode of PM Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> On your local Metromedia affiliate. mentions this moment in his lyrics book about being in Lagos. Yep. Here's the quote. I hadn't imagined cholera or the mugging or the half-ready studios. You block out all the worst stuff and you remember all the cool stuff. So, yeah, man, they knocked out a bunch of tracks there. In October, they finish it up at Air Studios and Kingsway Studios. 
And it was transferred from 8-track to 16-track. And Mary Hopkins' husband, Tony Visconti, arranged and conducted all the string parts. And those were all done over there. And did quite a bit of arranging for Paul in the ensuing years as well. There's some great string arrangements on this on this record. I mean, as we get into side two uh, next week, it's got some of the most inventive string arrangements, I think, on any Paul McCartney album. Too bad he won't see a penny on the underdubbed mixes. Right? <laughs> Screw you, Visconti. I want to hear Picasso's last words for eight minutes without any ornamentation. <laughs> yeah, Tony. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony, goodbye, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Shall we go track by track? I'm banned on the run, side one. Yes, Tony, and I should tell you, I did my homework listening to this in multiple ways. I listened to the original Columbia pressing of the LP from, I think, 1984. A oh. Columbia pressing that has Helen Columbia wheels on pressing. it. <laughs> and in fact, I just pulled out for fun. Then I listened to the 2010 archive edition, which is the best sounding one of these. But Tony, I've said this many times. Here's the CD and the cassette spine for Band on the Run on Columbia. Oh, and it's right. so funny that it looks like a Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen CD or the yes. Top Gun soundtrack. It's that red blocky font. Yeah. Uh, which I don't, I, Font Lover's Corner is closed for the, <laughs> for the holidays. Uh, so we'll, we'll get you that uh, Columbia font some other day. <laughs> I listened on vinyl. I finally bought a vinyl copy of this album. Nice. Uh, it's an Apple one, and it's an. I want to get the American version because I want Helen Wheels on there. I Me feel too. that Helen Wheels belongs on this record. It changes that side too. It changes the pacing. And I also listened to uh, streaming, just on Spotify and all that. Okay. And Apple, yeah, because Apple uh, Apple Music sometimes has those uh, lossless mixes, which are you know it's pretty good. Yeah. I- I've got $8 million speakers in my home, so I, I know what lossless is, buddy. <laughs> so you know all about it now, do you? You want a 30-watt amp? A 30-watt amp. Do you want speakers? Yes. Do you want rumble filters? Yes. Do you want a bag on your head? Yes. <laughs> well, obviously, it starts off with the title cut, Band on the Run. What do you think of this song, man? What do you think of this song? I mean, Tony, obviously it's Band on the Run. It's probably one of his three biggest solo songs. But I feel like this as a Paul Medley got dwarfed by Good Times Come and Feel the Sunshine in on Press to Play. Tony, it's Band on the Run. I mean, it is a singular Paul moment. Other than Abbey Road, he's never put together a medley like this before, and I'm including Uncle Albert, which I love, but this is ingenious, it's inventive, it sounds of its time, and it sounds like it's from any time in history. Like any great Beatles song, this song could have existed in 73 or 53 or 93 and still have been as wonderful. Yeah, it starts off all all loungy. It feels like, okay, we're getting into another like Red Rose Speedway kind of a relaxed vibe. I do love, we mentioned already that that keyboard part. I have a memory actually of when you and I first started playing together. 
This would be like at a second city on ETC or back up in the uh, Black Orchid Theater. Black and, Orchid. And All Stars. And just warming up, you would always go, yeah. And it would just crack me up. I, and I was on drums, and you would just throw that in there whenever, like after someone said something. It, it would just crack me up. So, this, yeah, I, that keyboard line actually reminds me of you a lot. And uh, that's a good thing. It's fun. Aw. Uh, I love that. Yeah. You know, he's got a penchant for medleys, right? Little Lamb Dragonfly and the big medley. The huge medley. Yeah. And Red Rose Speedway. <laughs> that one. Obviously, Abbey Road. So he's got this thing about medleys, and it fits in here. Like, even Live and Let Die has has a bit of uh, medley to it. Yeah. There's, like, all these different parts that aren't really that connected to each other. So it starts off with a loungy thing. Then it goes into the blue-eyed reggae uh, recorded in Lagos. Again, this is Paul on drums. In a minor key. Yeah. And the drum part and the hand claps are so great. And Tony, the kind of loungy part, Paul's drumming is so inventive. I mean, it's kind of a laid back four in the bar, but he does the accent on the three. Stuck inside these four walls. Sent inside forever. I mean, in, in the, like, there's still exciting McCartney-esque things happening that separates us from being bullshit 70s lounge. It's glorious. I agree, man. And that's that's kind of the cool thing about when a non-drummer drums. They'll do interesting things that are kind of like, what? And they're, they're often great choices. Yeah. So that, I think, plays into a lot of it. I still think that reggae thing could have done another round. If I mean, this is me being my bullshit rev- revisionist crap, but... I would take out one go around on the pastoral band on the run part of the song and go another round of blue eyed reggae. If I ever get out of here, thought of giving it all away to a registered charity. All I need is a fine today. If I ever get out of here, blue eyed reggae recorded in Lagos. The live and let die part recorded at Air Studios. So they're really patching these things together. Yeah, but it never sounds like it. No, it doesn't. It no doesn't. clumsy edit at all just flows so well. I can't help but feel like this song more than any moment to this point in Paul's solo career. And it makes sense given uh, Live and Let Die working with George Martin again. This feels like a George Martin produced album and it's not. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Well, you got Jeff Emmerich there, though, too. So that's, I think, to me, Emmerich is, you know, like the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it does feel like the beginning of a journey when it gets into that, the pastoral acoustic part. (laughs) I did bury it up. (laughs) Ah, thank you. Separate ways. Yeah. 
That goes out to you, Cywell and Henry McCullough. <laughs> That's right. Someday love will find you, but royalties <laughs> won't. Because wildlife don't sell a ton of copies. <laughs> in the lyrics book, Paul says this. The word band in the title refers to the idea of a group of people who've escaped prison. A band of desperados. A band of witchy women. A band of those shoes. A band of lion eyes. A band of get over it. Your mama's <laughs> too fat and I watch a lot of rush. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> get over it. <laughs> no, I've, I've got the same quote because, and I think this is from the, the 2010 um, archive collection. Paul actually mentions, he talks about bands like Wings and the Eagles felt like desperados. He actually used the word. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. I've never I never imagined that that way. Every time I've heard this song, I feel like he's talking about wings. He's talking about this band that's just, you know, trying to get by, you know. It's another song about feeling as if he's an outlaw for loving marijuana. That's basically the huh. little little like got to you into my life that like that that it needs to be so covert and quote unquote banned. I think that's the impetus for a lot of this from what I read. Interesting, man. Interesting. I never thought of it that way. Tony, one other thing about this track that often gets overlooked because it is so ubiquitous, on an album where Paul sings so well, his singing on this song is about as excellent as it's ever been in his career. The yells in the last chorus, uh, the kind of little Richard Wu as the song's fading out, this is Paul in just classic Paul rock form. And that permeates through the album. This is when people talk about this being Paul's best record, I think parenthetically or subconsciously, they're saying his vocal performance on this record is the best it's ever been on record as a soloist. Yeah, man. I get why this is, yeah, hailed as such. The only counter I'll give is that I think I've heard this song too much that I have to take time to like, oh, let me actually listen to this record. You know, because I feel like it's been imprinted on my brain just from it's on the radio all the time and it's just everywhere. Yeah. I feel like Band on the Run is uh, Paul's Who's Next. It's the one that you hear all the time, hmm. like Won't Get Fooled Again, Bob O'Reilly, Behind Blue Eyes. Like those are three songs that I, as a huge Who fan, I actually never have to hear again. <laughs> and I love the Who. Yeah, but it begs the question then, is Mrs. Vanderbilt his going mobile? <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. I, well, yeah, what's my favorite song on Who's Next? Going Mobile is the best song on that record. I love that vibe of that tune. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. The solo goes on way long. I like um, <laughs> Love Ain't For Keeping. Uh, that's the one they never play on the radio. It's a great so, song. But that's pro- no, Love Ain't For Keeping is probably more like no words. Here. <laughs> but okay. Here's our Who's Next is Band on the Run. <laughs> Is behind blue eyes, she's leaving home. (laughs) (laughs) No one knows what it's like to be the sad man. 
Well, next up, it's Jet. Another song I've heard a lot. Uh, this was a single, right? Am I crazy? This was a single. Yes, not only was it a single, it was released twice in the States, and the original B-side was Mamonia. Right, right. And they recalled it, and then they reissued Jet as it was charting with Let Me Roll It as the B-side. That's right. It has the curious two different B-sides. Oh, and Tony, same with Band on the Run. I should mention that Band on the Run, which was released after Jet as a single, Band on the Run in the States is back with 1985. Band on the Run Worldwide is backed with Zoo Gang, which you recorded oh, right. to be the theme song of that British uh, TV show. I've memorized, studied, analyzed all the exploits of the Zoo Gang during the war. Well, Jet, uh, yeah, I just found out this was written on a hill in Scotland. It was like Paul was like, hey, I just want to have an afternoon. I'm going to bring my guitar out uh, to the farm and walk around. And it said it's been named after a black lab puppy, but it was also the name of one of their Shetland ponies. Which Paul referred to as his little pony, which was interpreted as <laughs> my little pony. And then eventually he sold the rights and they made a My Little Pony Lullaby Nursery. Right, and Henry McCullough's getting all the, the royalties on that. <laughs> yes, he is. Good job, Henry. I love you, my baby. Tony, uh, Paul McCartney basically perfected glam rock on this song. This is another one that is huh. overplayed in my mind and is one of the best glam rock, power pop rock songs. This, to me, is a perfect Paul rock song. The weird kind of reggae guitar, the way the drums come, to your point, the non-drummer doing the drumming for this gives it such an interesting feel. The horns make it feel a bit like got to get you into my life for a, for a few moments. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've also never known what the fuck he's talking about in this song. But no this one to does. Me, not, no one has any idea. But yeah, this to me, again, overplayed. But one of the great rock songs of that era of the 70s, for sure. Paul nailed it with this. It says that some of the imagery was coming from Linda's father, who was kind of strict, okay. and also from the UK sitcom Bootsy and Snudge, otherwise known as the P-Funk sitcom. <laughs> Thursdays on BBC Two, do you want yeah. to get funked up? A welcome to station W-E-F-U-N-K, better known as We Funk. Special appearances by Gary Duop Scheider and uh, Dom DeLuise. You said it! I know I said it! Future episodes featuring Screamin' Simon from Shanana. I never should have eaten that camel sandwich. The lyrics book, Paul says, I had developed a knack for writing a popular song or a hit, so when it came to Jet, I had loads of tricks that I could use. One of them is shouting. That works. A shout is always a good song opener. Yeah, uh, Tony, the piano jamming before the final verse, it's just Paul rocking out on the piano. Tony, 
I know you love Wings Wildlife. I do as well. I'm a Red Rose Speedway guy. We both love Ram. Yeah. Certainly the McCartney. You're a big family uh, family way guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, love is in the air. Um, but Tony, so far, unarguably, overplayed or not, we have the two strongest songs to open an album on any Paul McCartney album to date. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a two for Tuesday on on Band on the Run. Uh, one other little thing for you here, Tony. Both these songs open the UK and US versions of the '87 hits comp, "All the Best." But in the U.S., it's Band on the Run into Jet, like the Band on the Run album. In the U.K., Jet opens the compilation and then huh. goes into Band on the Run, which when I got that import, it's almost better because you don't you get lulled into thinking that, you know, is Bluebird going to be next when you're playing all the best? You know, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of fun to hear Jet first on the British All the Best. <laughs> <laughs> Must collect all the imports. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will, my favorite part of the song is definitely that square wave synth solo by Linda. That yeah. to me is very groovy. I, I did re, I did praise Paul's drumming. Uh, he's he's got really good feel. Uh, the tempo's great. I thought I've always thought there's like a lo-fi quality to the vocals on this song. They feel slightly distorted. It's in the red, and yet I have written down TJ. This one was recorded entirely at Abbey Road in London. But it's those harmonies, Tony, that don't sound like any other harmonies on record. On the word sky, when they're singing the harmonies to that, not sky like from Paw Patrol, but just a sky reference for you. <laughs> you also, want... Henry McCullough had the rights to that, too, so he did very well. <laughs> Blue's Clues, My Little Pony. <laughs> sky not feeling too well. Sky head hurt, and I have the, um, I hurt you. And then at the end, there's that funny little saxophone tag at the end, which to me, it almost it makes it sound like a commercial for itself. <laughs> In the best way, it ends on a major seven. Ah, that's what's going on. Oh! Tony, I love it so much, and I measure different versions of Jet based on how it ends. One of my favorite endings is from Wings Over America, the way that's played live. By the way, the entirety of Jet and Wings Over America, which is fused with Venus and Mars Rock Show, it's like a long-ass 11-minute medley to open it up. Medley. Medley. Again, <laughs> that version of Jet is so well-paced and so 70s stadium rocky. I love it. What you talk about the tag, the yeah. tripping the live fantastic version is so 80s fast, and Wix just. <laughs> Plays it so it, it ends before you blink and the ending's over and Wix does it on on the uh, on the keyboard. 
but there's a great one from, I'm going to find this drop for all y'all. My favorite, Tony, I've got a weird bootleg of Paul in Japan and uh, from, uh, I think just before the pandemic and in the sound check, he does jet with his live horn section and the sound his live horn section makes at the end of jet on this weird soundboard bootleg of a sound check <laughs> is my favorite. And here it fucking is. <laughs> Two big hits, and then we get a, a lovely song, Bluebird. Paul and his birds, Blackbird, Bluebird, Winterbird. You know, this was actually recorded in response to Blackbird to appease the Blue Lives Matter crowd. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Ow, those buzzers hurt. <laughs> Stop buzzing me like that. Shock therapy right there is what <laughs> yes, that is. shock therapy. Give me, give me shock, yeah, in any other world, in any other band, this is like the lead single off the album. I mean, this song is stunning. He'd had this melody kicking around for a few years, I think. I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird. I was always curious because it starts off just so immediate. Again, revisionist douchebag Mendoza. I really think it could have benefited from a little guitar intro to get us into it, especially after those two big blockbusters. I know you don't know the sequence of the album while you're recording it, but I don't know. Who cares? I would have liked an intro. <laughs> yeah, why don't you fuse a bit of bip bop into this and, and give yourself what you need? I mean, that's what it, that's the future. People are just going to take a little instrumental section and like demix it and like, oh yeah. The 75th anniversary band on the run, unmix, remix, demix version. <laughs> nude. You have to be nude while mixing it. Right. <laughs> We're watching. Your laptop phone is watching you. <laughs> Do it. Take it off. Do it for M. PL. <laughs> Late at night when the wind is still, I'll come flying through your door. And you'll know what love is for. I'm a bluebird. No, so this is a good song, though. Uh, I gorgeous. do like it. It's a standard Macca ballad. It's real earwormy. Either in a good way or in a bad way. I don't know. Sometimes it can be a little like, doo -doo 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 -doo. it is Woody Woodpecker, right? No, but yeah, but there's all, but I, I do love this. There is like a woodpecker like percussion going on during the chorus. The bluebird, yeah, yeah, that's Remy Kabaka on percussion and Howie Casey on the sax doing a lot of the sax stuff. This one was all done in London. They actually flew Remy in 
from Africa to do the percussion from stuff. From Lagos, yeah. I yeah. think there was some controversy. We didn't talk about the beginning of this, but Paul went to see Fela Kuti oh, right. perform yes. and was confronted. And Paul was like, I love your music. And I think Fela Kuti was like, hey, you're coming to steal my music. Right. And, you know, Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Give me, give it 13 years and then tell Paul Simon. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, well, yeah, when we get to Mamunia, I was like, well, <laughs> Mamunia sounds like it should be on Graceland to me. <laughs> yeah, but you can call me else. I think it should be on Band of the Run. <laughs> there you go. And on Who's Next? Right. Fuck it. Talk about loudest keyboard horns ever. <laughs> that song blared out of the radio in the summer of 86. <laughs> Well, speaking of horns, to me, it sounds like Paul is shushing the sax solo. Was there a little shush during the (laughs) sax solo? Howie, you already made Lady Madonna too much. Don't do it again, Howie. (laughs) Um, That I didn't know. I don't know if I heard, but I... I did read that I think this was Howie Casey's first time doing this solo and Paul comes in and says, yeah, man, that's great. And Howie Casey's like, please let me do a couple more, but they still use this first take. There you go. Hey man, it's snowing. I don't know if you can see out your window. It's snowing where I'm at. No, I've got my wind. Uh, my blinds are closed so I can focus on the work at hand. <laughs> Not me. Ho, ho, ho. He loves you. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Ringo's Christmas album, I Want to Be Santa Claus. And the fire is so delightful. <laughs> is it being Ringo enough? <laughs> I do. I Want to Be Santa Claus. There's a there's like five Ringo albums where he covers Love Me Do just as like a fuck you to George Martin from like 97 <laughs> to like 04. <laughs> Larry David, Spike the Love, love me do. All right, man. Now, for me, this is where this album takes off. For me, Mrs. Van De Bilt, not Vanderbilt. So this to me is not overplayed, but I remember, I think, hearing this. They must have played it on the radio when I was a kid because it has a nostalgic quality for me, too, which is also playing into why I like it so much. I love it. The bass line, that driving bass line, it's so high in the mix. That bass sounds hot. This is like my favorite bass sound. That that sound, it just sounds woody. I do love it. I love the play between the major and minor keys. I love yeah. the whole hey, ho, ho, hey, ho. It's it's just a great song. It's, it's in my top five Macca solo songs. I love this song. It is such a great song, and it's another one that has a medley feel to it just because the verse and chorus feel very different from each other. They All right, feel I'll give like, you that. <laughs> they feel like two separate songs that flow together beautifully. 
Yeah, to me that really works. Is that the maybe the major minor stuff? Maybe you're talking yeah, about a going little bit? from the verse into the chorus of "Leave Me Alone, Mrs. Robinson." All that stuff yeah, feels like a yeah. different song than the "Down to the Jungle, Living to the Tent, Don't Pay Money, Don't." Yeah. They feel like two okay, separate yeah. songs that are fused together in such a perfect McCartney way. And the 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 lyrics, I think, some of the most underrated Paul lyrics. What's the use of worrying? What's the use of hurrying? What's the use of anything? Is such very Gen a, X. It's, ve- <laughs> it's very John. Yeah, that too. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it's an underrated McCartney lyric that says everything while saying absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's cool, man. I like this. I mean, it, it kind of has to do, he gets into it in the lyrics book, which is a, obviously, a, that was a, a big uh, research tool for me yeah. on this. It's kind of about rejecting the establishment and the trappings of the super rich. We were t- I, was, I was talking to you about this at the bar last week. Yep. When he's, he was talking about having a little boat, his 90s boat that from Anthology, that boat. Hey, hey. Rubber soul. I guess. Rubber soul. So I guess that's like a small boat and like wherever he keeps it, people say like, you know, that's a child's boat or whatever, you know, and he's just kind of like, yeah, but it works for me. I'm not going to buy into your giant yacht thing I need to have that costs whatever and is not worth the upkeep, blah, blah, blah. I think it also speaks to all those things that the Beatles had to do that first trip over to the States and they went to an embassy thing and like some woman snipped Ringo's hair right. and all these embassy assholes they were, were terrible drunk, people. Yeah. Treating them like the Beatles owed them something. And that was the first and only time they were like, we're never doing this again. Yeah. So it's Paul's rejection of he's super rich, but it's the rejection of the super rich lifestyle. Yeah. Even reading in the Hunter Davies book where he goes into his house and talking about how it just looks, you know, it looks pretty like middle-class Liverpool for a guy who has all this money. And things, you know, things are like not tidy and stuff in certain places, you know. It, it's lived in. His toilets are notoriously poop-stained. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you about that. And I think Paul is very conscious of money. I think he's very aware of money. I want to take a moment to encourage everyone to buy the third anniversary re-release of (laughs) McCartney three on vinyl with a lithograph and the vinyls purple and yellow. I think (laughs) McCartney three for the 30th time on its third anniversary. (laughs) It's so funny. Just give me the Egypt station cassette. I don't need to buy McCartney three again. That's true. That is true, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's an interesting line, though. You don't complain of robbery. So do you think he wrote that line before their trip to Lagos? Or was that did that inspire this line? I don't know. But to tell us right now, please welcome the meanest robot in history. P3Z. <laughs> no, 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 nuts, nuts, nuts. <laughs> Well, it could be a reference to the Vanderbilt family, who made their fortune through rail and shipping empires, and their financial decline in the 20th century. 
or it could be a reference to your own erectile dysfunction, which is common among men your age. You shouldn't feel ashamed at all about your erectile problems. And now here's the soft boys performing cold turkey, only on the Untitled Beatles podcast. You know what, P3Z Nuts? Metal coal for you. Yeah, metal coal, robot coal. Got robot it? Coal. <laughs> Tony, this song proves the arrangement skills of Paul McCartney. There's so many different things happening here. There's no sax solo at one point as they're getting into the final verse and chorus. You expect the sax solo, but it's a guitar harmony part. And then right. for the final chorus, the sax solo comes back in a higher octave. His ability to ornament things and to put little musical touches on things, no composer or performer in rock history has ever been able to make beautiful, complicated music so easy and accessible. That's why Paul McCartney is so great. The little things are genius. The big things are genius. You add them up and there's nobody like him. This song is testament to that. You're right. And this song's also become a concert staple since the early 2010s. He Finally. Yeah, he never did this live back in the right. day. This was not part of the the uh, the last Wings tour or the Wings Over America tour or any of that stuff. Wings Over the World didn't do it in 89, 93. He pulled this out and I think around 2010 and it's been a concert staple ever since he makes Russian jokes you probably can't make anymore but during the final hey-ho he does it in double time when he does it live Well, TJ, side one closes with a great little rocker. I don't know what you call this, but uh, let me roll it. It's a blues rock song. It feels like it feels like a cousin to Oh Darling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, this is the most plastic Ono that Wings ever sounded. Uh, I don't know. I think Single Pigeon and God <laughs> are kind of... <laughs> Single pigeon. There is with the birds again. <laughs> Tweeting. I'm a lot like you. <laughs> I like this one. This one. This one. I still quite like. Uh, it's grown on me over the years, probably due to my increased use of marijuana, aka soma. <laughs> I'm lulled out. But yeah, it's stark. There's a very stark rhythm section. That stabbing, distorted guitar attack. Yeah. The echo on his vocal. It's very Plastic Ono. I dig it, man. I really dig it. You know, you're right. Calling it very plastic ono is so interesting because I kind of talked about it being a cousin to Oh Darling, but it's almost an Oh Darling, I Want You, She's So Heavy kind yeah. of melding because there's distorted voice, it's bluesy, it's disparate at times, and it's fleshed out at times. I love this tune, too. I mean, 
I, the or that's Linda playing the organ overdubs, and they're minimalist and funky, and not funky like funk music, but funky like you don't expect them. They're kind of eerie almost. Is probably a better word for it. And high in the mix too. Yeah, they're super <laughs> high in the mix, especially in that twenty. Probably the one you stream, that twenty ten archive remaster, which is not a remix, or nor is it a demix. God, I mm. love the demix is coming. But yeah, it's mixed up really high. Paul's lead on this too is ripping Tony. Paul's lead yeah. guitar on this is is great. It's Taxman great. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. Uh, he talks about the echo. He calls it bog echo. We always called it bog echo because it's like the echo in a toilet known to us as a bog. And TJ in Great Britain, Red Sox third baseman Wade Boggs is known as Wade Toilets. <laughs> Do you know that? The prime minister always called him Wade Toilets. <laughs> Why did he have to go in the hall wearing a Tampa Bay hat? <laughs> I don't think he did. It just felt right. <laughs> well, he's from Florida. Right. But he ended his career with the Tampa, right? Like yeah. the early race. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Kind of fun. <laughs> Old Wade Boggs. If you like Porgy and Bess, you'll love Old Wade Old Wade Ball. I gotta say this, man. I love it when Paul doubles up on drums with the open hi-hat double hits. Yes. That's such a fun choice. You referred to Paul, I think, earlier as like a non-drummer and I think he's a drummer. I think he's a frustrated drummer. I think, I mean, if you hear, first of all, McCartney 3, now available again. I mean, his his drumming, anytime, he, anytime he's behind the drums, it includes with the Beatles too, he's doing more than just keeping the beat. He's making inventive, interesting choices. That's only something I think someone who's a drummer can do. Yeah, I guess, so to be clear, when I say non-drummer, I just means that's not their first instrument, you know? If it's, if it's like your third instrument, maybe. Although then that's calling me a non-guitarist then too, and I play guitar now, so. Okay, point taken, point taken. Yeah, yeah, he's a very, he's a drummer. I'm When I say non-drummer, what I mean is that it's not his first instrument of choice or the instrument that he wants to play. You know what I mean? I think he's playing it out of necessity. I agree with that. And one thing I think we can both agree he's not is a heavy metal drummer. Wilco, hit it. <laughs> Just want to hear that intro. All right. My only beef about this song, man, is that I think it could have used another guitar solo going into that second to last go around where it feels like there's a big edit and there is a big edit. There is. I wish there wasn't that dumb edit in there. I, I, I feel like this is a fucking Wings record. This is Paul McCartney. You're fucking good. Like, that's an obvious edit. Like, I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, I okay, I understand that. I also feel like I've never heard you try to redo a McCartney album or any album in your life. You're like, <laughs> if I had done this song. I'm just saying, yeah. you're, <laughs> you know why? Because I like Ram and I like those other albums and they didn't need those things. But in my head, I think, okay, this album could be even better if these things happen. But produce your own record, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> DIY, my man. Is it worth calling this your 70s Flowers in the Dirt? <laughs> Oh, I think that's Venus and Mars or something. (laughs) (laughs) You gave me the answer to love eternally. Can we do Tony break? Yeah. Break that one down from the original Mary Martin cast of Peter Pan. Okay. This one's great. I also love the way it kind of fades out. There's sparse howling and fading out at the end of this thing. And this is another one that Paul's been doing live since the New World Tour in 93. And this is a ripping one on Paul just slays this one on guitar as well. Yeah. It's a great seventies rock anthem that doesn't sound like any other seventies rock anthems. It's a slow, sexy, stony roller, man. It's one of the sexiest wing songs out there. So yeah, man, roll it, light one up, roll it. (laughs) Well, which do you prefer this or Stevie Winwood? Oh, this. Yeah, this. I'm not a Winwood guy. <laughs> he was good in traffic. And I the traffic these days. No, he was. <laughs> tra- traffic was a great band. I don't, you know, I, I'm not versed in traffic. How about that? Yeah. Well, let's, I hate to make this drop, but let's hear all 16 minutes of Dear Mr. Fantasy. <laughs> and that's all the time we have <laughs> for side one. Band on the run, 50th anniversary. That's right, Tony. It's very late at night. We've got to go to sleep. <laughs> We need our medicine. It's a lot of medicine. We're getting on. We're getting on now. We need our medicine. Yeah, man. All right. So when we do side two, we'll talk about the packaging and all that stuff. Uh, We'll also get into like our overall thoughts of this record. I think I get the impression that Tony puts this just below speed of sound. This guy's a (laughs) big fan of Medicine Jar, which may not be on that album. No, it is. (laughs) It is the holidays. TJ. Thank you. I'll see you on side two, but I wanted to thank you for and during this holiday time. I wanted to thank our producer, KC, and all our listeners, all our Patreon folk. Thank you. Oh, good King Wenzel's last leg. Oh, deep and crisp and Stephen. Hello, this is John speaking with his voice. I love the early Christmas record so much. <laughs> Yeah, Tony, seriously, Mary Crimble to you. And, Mary um, Crimble. I just want you to know, Tony, I love singing like a little child. And now I'm so sad and lonely. <laughs> Christmas time is, <laughs> is here. Is Get rid of the piano, so annoying. And the sleigh bells. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 